You are listening to Revolver Podcast. Want to grow your own weed but not sure where to get the seed? Go to bcbuddepot.com. For nearly 15 years, BC Bud Depot has been building one of the world's most comprehensive seed banks, offering over 50 strains of top quality cannabis to suit every grower's needs, including multiple award-winning strains like Godbud, The Perps, BC Blueberry, Girl Scout Cookies, and more. In fact, BC Bud Depot's genetics have won over 30 different cannabis awards over the past decade. So you know you're dealing with a recognized industry leader that will deliver you some of the most potent, flavorful flowers on the planet. They ship worldwide, offering fast, discreet delivery at reasonable prices. All online orders are processed within 48 hours and are packaged and mailed with the utmost stealth and safety in mind. And if for some reason your order gets lost, damaged, or confiscated, BC Bud Depot will resend it at no extra charge guaranteeing that every customer receives what they paid for. Whether you're looking for indica or sativa, indoor or outdoor, feminized or auto-flowering, BC Bud Depot has the seeds you need at a price you can handle. But don't take my word for it. Check out their extensive library of award-winning genetics for yourself at bcbuddepot.com and type in promo code BLAZIN420 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. BC Bud Depot home of cannabis champions since 2002. Please check your local state and national laws before ordering. It's time to roll up those joints, pack those bowls, and fire up those nails. Because you're listening to Blazing Bobby Black. What's up, Blackalites, and welcome to another edition of Blazin. I'm your host, Bobby Black. You know, with April here, that means that 420 is just around the corner, April 20th, which has become the official holiday for stoners, Stoner New Year, if you will. The number has had a significance to the cannabis community for many years and has just in the past few years started to really uh, resonate with the mainstream media and with the world at large. So what is 420? Why does that number hold significance for pot smokers? And to answer that question, uh, my guest today is probably the most definitive chronicler of the 420 phenomenon. He's my former boss, the former editor-in-chief of High Times Magazine, creator of the Cannabis Cup, counterculture Hall of Fame inductee, and editor-in-chief of Abacus Magazine, Mr. Steve Hager. Steve, how you doing? Hey, really good, Bobby. Thanks for having me on your show. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So you're an icon in the counterculture community, and you were uh, a mentor and an inspiration to me at High Times. And I know that you have been very interested in 420, the phenomenon, and everything surrounding it for as long as I can remember. You know, there's a lot of myths out there. People have said, oh, it's some kind of police code, or it's the number of chemicals in the cannabis plant, and all of those are pretty much myths, right? And you were able to really uh, get at the heart of, of where it came from. Tell us a little about it. Well, you know, I didn't really know uh, where it came from. It was kind of synchronistic to me that when I started the Cannabis Cup, I just thought I was like a fun party thing. You know what I mean? It's like I didn't, re I wasn't a big pothead. 
and I just knew that it was wholesome compared to alcohol. So it was like, why is everybody having a problem with this? But Steve Bloom brought a um, flyer back from a Oakland Dead show. He went to the Dead show with um, Debbie Goldsberry and Jack Herrera. Steve had come to High Times Magazine and kind of like hooked up with what I was doing. You know, he was wearing a tri-corner hat for a while. He went to the Freedom Fighter convention. We were, uh, like, you know, trying to change the whole dynamic of the legalization movement, which it turned into a bunch of suits in Washington talking about policy. And we were like, no, no, we want freedom. You know, this is our culture. We want to, we want to have, we want to express our culture and stuff. So we were trying to bring back the rallies. And Steve brought me this flyer that said, uh, that these people were gathering on the Sunset Ridge of Mount Tamalpais on April 20th at 420. And that the flyer said it was a police code, and that's how it all started, but it had turned into this annual ritual. Now, I had just spent months investigating the history of uh, spiritual use of cannabis, and I had come to the conclusion that Soma, which we were told was a mushroom, was actually cannabis. And this was obvious if you just went and read the Rig Veda and stuff. And, and everything started to cascade from there, because once you admit that Soma is really cannabis, then the uh, bizarre Thustrian sacrament suddenly becomes cannabis because it's the same thing, only they call it Hyoma. And then uh, all the Sakas and the Scythians are using cannabis. We know that. So then they're the source of the Holy Grail myth and the Knights of the Round Table. That stuff is older by centuries to the time of Jesus. So it was like I was coming to these realizations that cannabis was at the core of the founding of all these spiritual traditions. And he shows me this thing that says 420 we're gathering. Now, I ran away to hate Ashbury when I was, like, 17. Hmm. And I know what that scene was about. I was there on Hippie Hill. I experienced the whole vibe. And I knew that it turned bad real fast. And everybody fled across the Golden Gate. And a lot of people, including the Grateful Dead, a lot of people like that, ended up in San Rafael, California. And when I see, and Mount Tamalpais is, like, over the Bay Area, like Mount Fuji. I mean, if you're on the Berkeley Heights and you're looking out, you see this peak. You know what I mean? It looks like Mount Fuji. It's Mount Tamalpais. So Mount Tamalpais had some real spiritual significance to me personally. And numbers, because I'm, I'm interested in spirituality, and math and music are and, and marijuana are at the foundation of spirituality. People don't realize this, but, you know, Pythagoras, all those guys, they were all stoners, and they invented calculus. And, and they, the way they got the calculus was through the lute. They studied the uh, octaves on the strings, and they started to get a sense of, uh, you know, the sort of cosmic scale of the, you know, the way certain music sounds good. You know what I mean? The, the circle of the fifths, all that stuff. The uh, patterns was, in nature, the sacred geometry, all of that kind of stuff, you mean? The sacred geometry was expressed, you know, and understood first through the study of the lute. So, which, you know, is basically the guitar. You know what I mean? So, it's funny because Bloom thought this thing was nuts. <laughs> Going on a, to watch a sunset. You know anything about Pythagoras, you know that their ceremonies were held at sunrise and sunset. So 420 to me was like numerology. It was like a sacred sacred number. So I just said, look, we can use this to help legalize. And and from that day, when he brought that flyer to me, I, I started doing 420 in the High Times office. 
I started calling everybody in. I remember. I started, <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, well, this was long before you showed up, Bobby. I mean, I started it that day in 1990. Wow. All right, and then also all my events, the Wii Festival, which drew 20,000 people in 1997. You know, I, I had these huge events going on, not just the Cannabis Cup, but a lot of other events. And uh, 420 was the big moment. You know what I mean? We did, we, we, the 420 show was all built around the 420 show, and this was before anybody knew anything about this stuff. And I started going around to college campuses. I got a gig debating the head of the DEA. I ended up going to 400 college campuses from like 1992 to, you know, about two years ago it kind of ended. But every one of those college campuses, I asked those students, as the last thing, a favor to me. I said, please get together with your friends on April 20th to have a moment of silence on 420 for peace. And I get that speech over and over and over. Okay, so 10 years later, 420 becomes a big thing inside the marijuana community. People are doing what I ask. They're getting together at 420, you know, you know and, and, and the whole thing just exploded. And I was actually interviewed on ABC Nightly News about it. That kind of the peak of the realization. And it was right at that time when I went out to California and met the Waldos. Yeah, so they tell us about the Waldos. Tell us what the, who the yeah, Waldos okay. are and what right, they're so about. Then, so then that's the real story, what happened. So in 1971, you got five guys in San Rafael High School, and they are the stoners of San Rafael. They're also kind of like the wisecracking guys that don't fit in with any of the other cliques. I mean, they're just five guys on their own. And it's five of them because that's what fits into the car that they're driving. I don't know if it's a Chevy Impala or something <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? So, and, you know, they got their 8-track and their Chevy Impala, and they got their lifestyle. And they start going on safaris is what they call them. And they start goofing on people, having fun, kind of like jackass, but in a more friendly kind of way. You know what I mean? It's like they goofed on people, but they, it wasn't to make you feel stupid or, you know, ridiculous. It was just a fun thing, you know, that everybody laughed when it was over. You know what I mean? So yeah. they were tricksters. And uh, one day, a guy came up to me and said, Hey, my brother's in the Coast Guard. He's posted out at San Ray, uh, Point Reyes Peninsula, which is just on the other side of Mount Tamalpais, right on the Pacific Ocean. He's been growing a patch of homegrown, and he thinks his commanding officer's on to him. So he, he, he gave him a map. And he said, I can go take it. I don't want it, but I know you guys might want it. So here, take this map. All right, they look at that map, and they go, holy cow, free pot. All right, so let's meet at the parking lot. We'll meet at the statue of Louis Pasteur by the parking lot, and uh, we'll go out and pick a patch. All right, so they decide they're going to meet at 420, and they say, as they meet each other in the hallway for the rest of the day, as well as going passing from one class to another, they say, 420 Louis to remind each other, hey, I'm going to meet at the statue. We're 20, go pick the patch. All right, so they never found the patch. They went out and looked many times. Eventually gave up. But the 420 Louis stuck around, and then they dropped the Louis, and it just became 420. And then it became their code for marijuana, and they started celebrating it. They started having little rituals at 420. They started having big parties for them and all their friends on April 20th. And at 420, they would, you know, bang the gong. You know, it's like they were doing 420, like 20 years before anybody else. And then they grew up, had kids, got married, put the pipe down, and forgot all about it. 
And then in 1997, some of the younger kids who had been in Centerville High School, some of the freshmen when they were seniors, started doing 420. And it became so well-known in the town of San Rafael among teenagers only that one of the Grateful Dead uh, manufacturers, the dead were there. That's, that was their winter home. They all lived at houses there. So were the merchandisers were there. One of the merchandisers started, I don't know what, what he made. Maybe it was a 420 button or a T-shirt or something. He made something. And he found that the kids in San Rafael High School loved Number four twenty. Number five shit was four twenty on it because it was like their private little code. So anyway, I, I, I went on this long campaign. And I started doing everything around four twenty and blah blah blah. And then um, lo and behold, I, when I come back from the Waldos, you know, the editor publisher is a guy named Mike Edison, who just just totally doesn't like me or anything I'm doing, and he refused to believe the story. And, of course, Bloom was, like, with him, too. And I was like, yeah, yeah, it's just Hager and his friend making up bullshit. You know what I mean? That's, that's <laughs> why they treated it. So it was like, they were like, holy cow, man. No, this is real. This is how this is, you know. And I was like, dude, they wouldn't believe me. But eventually, Bloom did write a story about 420 many years later where he claimed, I discovered 420. So I was like, well, yeah, but you weren't the guy that went on any of the rituals. You wouldn't even... I remember, do you remember Mike Edison wouldn't allow me to do my 420 ritual in the office? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, there's... Do you remember I had to actually get a friend who lived in a building nearby to let us come over to his apartment every day at 4.15 for 15 minutes? <laughs> do you remember those? I, I I do very well, and I remember how the office, the High Times office, was like when I first got hired, and how drastically it changed over the next, you know, twenty years. More and more restrictive as time went on, and less and less fun. And I remember you always saying that part of your ethos was the fun vibe, was seeking out the fun vibe and right, making things right. fun. Well, if you recall, Bloom wouldn't go on the little ritual with it. He didn't, he didn't go over there. It was like he wasn't into 420. He thought the whole thing was stupid. But eventually, 420 did become a big thing. Now people understand, well, okay, now it's our it's our holiday. Okay. But see, I saw that back in 1990. I saw that's where it was going and what we could do with it. And it, it all would have happened with me or without me. But I was the Johnny Appleseed that took it global, that went around, and, and then, you know, when Bloom wrote a story, I discovered 420, he told people that I had nothing to do with it. You know, it spread through the Grateful Dead underground. The Grateful Dead never did 420 on stage. The Grateful Dead never talked about 420. <laughs> they, that shit happened. It didn't come through the Grateful Dead. It came through these 15-year-old kids at San Rafael High School. So, and then, you know, I picked it up from them. Once High Times started publicizing it big time, you think the Grateful Dead reader uh, followers don't follow High Times? You know, they learned about it from High Times, you know, or going to the Cannabis Cup or going to the Weed Festival or seeing me at a college campus talk about it. You know, that's for the first five, six years, I was the only person that was, like, proselytizing about it, you know? Nobody yeah. else even knew what it was. Jack, I told Jack Carrera all about it. He had no idea. And he was there. He saw the flyer. But Jack never seized on it, made a big thing out of it. I'm just a journalist, but some people try and paint me like I'm a cult leader 
And I was just ridiculed by these people, you know, for saying that people should have a moment of silence at 420 on April 20th. That's all I ever said. I said, hey, let's do it for peace. Because I'm really, like, not happy with the situation in our country with the school shooting every weekend. No, it's terrible. You know, every day and all the shit that's going on. It's like, I know. And Columbine happened on 420, ironically, you know, which is a shame. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, and and what about Waco? That happened on 419. And what about Oklahoma City? Wasn't that on 420? And, you know, I mean, you could go on and on. There's a lot of violence that takes place. So, So what I'm saying is, you know, when I feel marijuana is connected to the peace culture, tell you the truth, the whole marijuana movement kind of sucks right now. There's like high times in a way, because everything's so corporate now, and they don't want, they don't care about freedom or spirituality. It just won't show me the money. Well, it's, yeah, it's transforming from a community into an industry, and, and that's the difference. It's becoming yeah, well, it's a just, business. It's just uh, turning into another, you know, monopoly, controlled monopoly by the, the octopus elite that runs everything. You know what I mean? They're just, you know, going to control it like they control the medical system and everything. So it's like, it's like and everybody can't get on board fast enough. This is mind-blowing to me because, you know, look, the counterculture wasn't about marijuana. Marijuana is how everybody made their living because it was a cash economy that we controlled. But it wasn't about marijuana. It was about freedom. And that's something you can't find anymore. Yeah. Like, we lost all our freedoms, you know. The Patriot Act took all that shit away. You know, we don't have a Bill of Rights anymore. We have nothing. How did it all go so wrong? Yeah, I, I it's it it's, yeah. it's fear-mongering, like you said, the octopus or, or whatever you want to call it. It's the powers behind the scenes that promote this culture of fear and intolerance, and, and they scare people enough that they'll let them give up their freedoms. I think that's their plan. That's how they that's how they do things. Yeah, but the whole marijuana movement is being sucked up into this corporate profit scheme. You know, and nobody's speaking up about anything. You know what I mean? That I can see, you know, everybody just wants to get their share of the pie now. I actually got, got away from marijuana for a whole year. I wrote a book about the Abraham Lincoln assassination because I didn't even want to talk to people about it anymore. I was so sick of people telling me how much money they were going to make and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and I mean, people were going bogart on me, like right and left. Everybody <laughs> got really jealous about each other. And, you know, everybody started to feel like, oh, I'm gonna comp- we're all competing now. Who's going to be the billionaire? You know, I mean, I was like, no, I'm not in this game. You know, I'm just... Doing my little magic show, you know. I'm not really <laughs> concerned. I don't want to become the Steve Jobs of marijuana. I never had, you know. You know, I'm just trying to encourage people. Hey, doing a peace ceremony, having a moment of silence or a little peace, that's something that makes me feel good. And when you share that moment with other people and you think, hey, let's raise our kids to respect peace. The mainstream's teaching them how to respect war. You know, they're all into Navy SEALs and bulletproof deaths and, you know, shoot them up videos, and they got them all sucked into that shit, you know what I mean? So it's like, where's the other side of the equation? Because there is no other side. There is no respect for peace. There's no major peace ceremonies in this country. There's no day of world peace celebrated in this country. That's sad. That's true, and it is sad. We're going to have to take a short break now, but we'll be right back with more from Steve Hager. Want to grow your own weed but not sure where to get the seed? Go to bcbuddepot.com. 
For nearly 15 years, BC Bud Depot has been building one of the world's most comprehensive seed banks, offering over 50 strains of top-quality cannabis to suit every grower's needs, including multiple award-winning strains like God Bud, The Perps, BC Blueberry, Girl Scout Cookies, and more. In fact, BC Bud Depot's genetics have won over 30 different cannabis awards over the past decade. So you know you're dealing with a recognized industry leader that will deliver you some of the most potent, flavorful flowers on the planet. They ship worldwide, offering fast, discreet delivery at reasonable prices. All online orders are processed within 48 hours and are packaged and mailed with the utmost stealth and safety in mind. And if for some reason your order gets lost, damaged, or confiscated, BC Bud Depot will resend it at no extra charge guaranteeing that every customer receives what they paid for. Whether you're looking for indica or sativa, indoor or outdoor, feminized or auto-flowering, BC Bud Depot has the seeds you need at a price you can handle. But don't take my word for it. Check out their extensive library of award-winning genetics for yourself at bcbuddepot.com and type in promo code BLAZIN420 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. BC Bud Depot home of cannabis champions since 2002. Please check your local, state, and national laws before ordering. All right, and we are back with uh, former High Times editor-in-chief, creator of the Cannabis Cup, Mr. Steve Hager. Before the break, you were talking about how you had taken a little bit of a break from the marijuana uh, scene for a while to write a book about Abraham Lincoln. I I noticed that you've been involved in a lot of projects since leaving High Times, but one of the most prolific is the amount of books and, and essays that you've been self-publishing online, which it's, it's a pretty impressive roster. Uh, tell me a little about some of the, some of the work you've been doing. I, I got into e-books, and I, I started going through my archives. And I, you know, I had a lot, I'm 65 years old in May, so I have a lot of archives. And I was just cherry-picking my manuscripts and, and thinking, I'll make e-books out of these. And I put them up, and it's like, lo and behold, lots of people were downloading them, you know, and, I, and I'm like, well, maybe I can sell some of these. So I started putting some up for sale, and 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 then and then I realized, no, most people want paperbacks now. The tablet thing kind of failed a little bit, so um, people want paperbacks. So I went into CreateSpace. I started releasing books, you know, as paperbacks, and started with just my hip-hop research and stuff like that. But then eventually I was like, well, I should do some, something new. I was watching a film by Robert Redford, actually. It was called The Conspirator. And it's about Mary Surratt, who was hanged. She was the first woman ever hanged. Probably the only woman ever hanged. And I, I did, like everybody else, I knew nothing about the Lincoln assassination, really, except John Wilkes Booth shot him. You know, what else is there to know? But then I realized, well, gee, this trial is a kangaroo court. This woman is a patsy, you know, like Larry Oswald. And, and it's obvious if you just read the transcript of the trial. So that got me going. It's like, well, I should study this and find out what this, what really did happen. And, you know, after about six months of research, everything's online. You can go to the Library of Congress and read all the War Department documents now. So it's like, it's a treasure trove. That's what the greatest, the greatest thing about what's happening right now, Bobby, is that all information is being collected and distilled slowly. And that the millennials know they don't need to study the classics. They can look it up on Wikipedia. Hey, I agree. You know, when I grew up, we had to read fucking everything and then try to figure <laughs> out what was next. Now, these people realized it's, you don't study the whole past to figure out what's next. 
because what's next is a new software or a new thing in digital media or you know what I mean it's like it's not about the past anymore they have no respect for that that's true I don't blame them I don't blame them that's the world they're in plus they're suffering from information overload beyond belief so how are you going to learn everything there is no you don't need to it's in the cloud look it up on Wikipedia you know <laughs> look it up when you need to know it you don't need to memorize anything anymore. So pretty soon we're all going to be connected to this giant computer. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this is where we're going. So don't fight it. This is this is the future, man. So so I understand why I'm an old fogey and all my little magical studies with Pythagoras and Zoroaster don't really you know resonate with these kids. They're not going to go do that research. They don't care. But you know if. You do it the right way. If you come up and you distill all the information that's out, I read 50 books on the Lincoln assassination, and then I wrote a really short book that just sort of capsulized the most important information. Yeah. So, hey, you know, you can read that in two hours or less. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to reach out and say, look, you know, you don't have to be uh, intimidated. Anybody can do research. I'm not some muckety-muck historian, I just started reading the Library of Congress documents. And what I found was staggering. It was an inside job. And it's obvious if you just look at the facts. And if you read my book, you'd be pretty hard to uh, dispute anything that's in there, because it's all right from the official documents. So I encourage people, look, this is what we've got to do. We've got to wake up. The reason our freedoms have all disappeared is because there's an oligarchy that's sucking it all up. And, you know, it's our mission to try and find a way to give some power back to the people. Because you... it's all going the wrong direction. So, you know, if you if you wake up and you're enlightened, you don't have to engage in some big crusade. Just realize that what's happening is a wag thought movie and that they're taking away our freedoms and that this is the world we live in. And And we need to slow these people down whoever they are, you know, and stop going to war all the time. Stop trying to, you know, because that's their economic engine. So. Yeah. But anyway, I, before we run out of time, i got to invite you, Bobby, to my event. Well, I wanted to get to talk ever. to that, for yeah, sure. you, talk about you it for sure. You said 420 was the stoner New Year, right? But yeah. But there's never been a big 420 Eve yet. That's so I'm true. doing the first 420 Eve party on April 19th at midnight while the big champagne toast. All the important characters in the history of 420 are going to be in the room. And all the major figures in cannabis in the Bay Area are going to be in the room. And, you know, I'm inviting all the performers. Rocker T will be performing, you know, just to, and Kimono 117 from the Cannabis Cup Band, both of them. And basically, it's me and my friends going to just have a big, huge open bar banquet at Phil Lesher's Terrapin Crossroads for 420. Bringing it home. The dad, San Rafael, yeah. Yeah, it'd be great, man. Show up if you want. And, uh, and, you know, it'll be like being at one of the old original cannabis cups. We're going to have a secret temple. We're going to have, you know, the jars. We're going to have everything the way we always did it. You know what I mean? So I couldn't give up my ceremonies. I'm still going to do them. You know, maybe there's not 10,000 people there, but it doesn't matter to me if my friends are there. You know, that's all. I care about really so but anybody that can get a ticket to, to this event so where should people go if they want to buy a ticket or where should they go if they want to read read or learn more about you and your work there's a 
Facebook uh, event page for the 4, 420 Eve with Steve Hager and friends, and that'll lead you to the Eventbrite page for tickets. I'm, I'm, I've got so many books now. Most, a lot of them are free. The e- e-books, a lot of the e-books are free. So, you know, I, I encourage people just, just explore some of my stuff if you like it. Maybe you'll buy one of the books, you know. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get everything that I learned down so I can share it with people. I'm, all, I'm on the downside of the hill, Bobby. I'm at that age when I just want to, like, give up whatever information I still have before it's too late, basically. Pass so it on to the next generation. Do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the people that want it, you know, I'm just a, sh- a very minor cult figure. You know? <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? Someday, someday I might be big again. You know what I mean? It's like you never know. Is that what the so, pot Illuminati is about? Is it about the ancient uh, rituals and knowledge you had been researching and passing that on? Well, it's funny. You know, I started the pot Illuminati when I got my divorce from High Times. But the thing was, that whole concept is see, they use they use word like Illuminati. And they create a whole, what I call the tinfoil hat rabbit holes. All these crazy conspiracy people that flood the internet with all their bullshit about chemtrails and we never landed on the moon and Elvis is alive. All that is a is an intelligence game. They have to keep the water so muddy, they have to keep people so diverted with this bullshit that they don't focus on real conspiracies like who killed JFK, you know, which is the CIA, which is obvious if you just study it. So people need to focus on, hey, yeah, there are some important conspiracies, but landing on the moon is not one of them. You know what I mean? Chemtrails, not one of them. People can't get trapped in this bullshit world that they're creating. So that's what they do. They create a dialectic where the, the, the fringes and extremes are created and manipulated against each other, and then they hoard everybody in the center. Anybody who believes in a conspiracy is suddenly a wacko. <laughs> When in, when, in fact, every major real estate deal is a conspiracy. I mean, it's like conspiracies everywhere. Every major criminal case is a conspiracy. You know what I mean? To think that people don't conspire in secret to make money is, you know, like it never happened, you know, is just like ridiculous. But that's what they've done. They've created a bubble of protection, which makes it so you can't question authority. You just got to accept everything they say is right. And we just do what they say. And and they've got the country kind of acting like that. You know, really. I mean, if you could understand what it was like in 1966 when the whole social revolution was just starting and the difference between then and now as far as people's beliefs and expectations, we thought we were going to win. We thought there was going to be a social revolution. You thought it was inevitable. There was a revolution, and it had a huge impact, but the problem was, I think, that at some point it got co-opted, it got suppressed yeah, and whole, absorbed. The whole, the whole counterculture got co-opted through the music companies. As soon, right after Woodstock, everything shifted. It all became a deal for Warner Brothers. Up until then, uh, all the gatherings were just people, you know, getting together. You know, it wasn't about the bands. The bands were just there to entertain people. But it was... Really, the big, you know, the B-ins, wasn't about the dead. It was about getting people together. So we got to get back to that, where it's not about the bands, it's not about the marijuana. It's about people getting together and, and having a peaceful moment and, and not having people exploit you and sell you popcorn and beer at 15 times markup. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, culture's not supposed to be bought and sold. 
Yeah. You know, it's something something more important than that. So hopefully we'll get there. Yeah. You're talking about the uh, politics, the Patriot Act, and, and, and freedom and fear and stuff. Uh, I'm just curious what your take is on Bernie Sanders. Uh, do you think he's the real thing? Do you, do you support him, or do you think he's just one more – uh, one more politician, one more op, or whatever. Oh uh, well, he's obviously the best alternative on the board. <laughs> nothing even, nothing even comes close. But to tell you the truth, whoever gets that job, it isn't like they can suddenly change the world. You're going to be faced with some limitations, and and if you do try and change things they don't like, then they'll kill you. So there's a reality there you have to deal with, you know what I mean? So, so yeah, uh, if Bernie gets elected, it'll be great. If Trump gets elected, it'll That's be terrifying. like Reagan. It'll be like Reagan again. Everybody was freaking out. They're like, I'm going to leave the country. Reagan's like, oh, hey, no, 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 no. I ain't like that. See, because when, when those people get hired, that's when the movement picks up steam. We got something to fight against now, you know what I mean? So so I don't worry about who gets elected. I, I don't really push politics that big, you know what I mean? It's like, I'll deal with whatever happens, and, you know, I'll go vote for Bernie. You know, he's the best thing on the board. But I'm not going to get all super upset if he doesn't win or anything. I'm not going to, like, you know, get all wound up. Because that whole system is bullshit. We should be voting every day on the Internet. There shouldn't be representatives anymore. We don't need a guy to ride a horse to Washington to cast our vote. The whole world now can be just interconnected instantly. But but doesn't so let's that get rid of all the fucking bureaucrats and all the bullshit <laughs> and whatever we want to vote on? Let's just fucking hold the vote on Friday at four twenty every week, and we'll have whatever we want. But you know do, what I mean? doesn't like, the masses having a final say kind of terrify you in a way too? I mean, look at how many people are supporting Trump. Look at how ignorant and uneducated so many people are. I mean, wouldn't they make bad decisions? Yeah, yeah but all the people that are springing the dumb people, I mean, it's, he's a demigod. The demigods always get all the dumb people. <laughs> that's, that's what it's about. So, you know what I mean? And, you know, like Bernie's an intellectual, so he'll, he'll get all the smart people. You know what I mean? So, there's a lot more dumb people than there are smart people, Bobby. <laughs> and I don't know. There probably <laughs> always will be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's never going to change, well, my friend. That's why the Founding Fathers, I think, created some of these mechanisms to try to stop the, the masses who are asses from directly yeah, exactly, choosing the government. Exactly, to protect freedoms. They, they set up a Bill of Rights to protect freedoms, but that's gone now. So, you know, it's like the whole thing of the way the government was set up needs to be totally rewritten to the modern internet digital age and we we no longer need representatives we all should just do one one person one vote on any issue you want have the referendums on a regular basis and get everybody involved get everybody working for their communities get everybody so that it's not some money game but it's everybody helping each other that's the spirit we need you know not i'm going to rip you off you know by charging you 150 times what it costs to make this medicine, you know, it's about, hey, man, we can make this medicine for free and give it to you. And meanwhile, we outlaw the medicine that you can grow for yourself. <laughs> well, that's all. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. have the best medicine in the world. That's, But they're trying to take that away, too, Bobby. Yep. They're trying to monopolize it and control it and take it away. And that's that's what makes me sad. That's capitalism but, at its finest. Yeah. 
Well, Steve, we're uh, we're definitely out of time, but uh, thank you so much for talking to us today. Uh, it's always uh, always a pleasure to listen to you expound upon uh, things uh, old and new. We really appreciate it. And good luck on your trails, Bobby. I know you're going to do well. You're such a talented guy. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks, Steve. Take care. All right, that's uh, all we have time for this week. For more on the origin of 420 and other cool trivia, be sure to check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash blazinwithbb. Give us a like, leave us some feedback. Also, you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, bobbyblack420, and on Twitter at bobbyblack. All right, and we will be continuing our big 420 lead-up pregame coverage next week with another former editor of High Times that you heard mentioned earlier this broadcast, the editor-in-chief of Freedom Leaf Magazine and publisher of CelebStoner.com, Mr. Steve Bloom. So be sure to tune in again next week to check that out. Until then, as always, this is Bobby Black saying, blaze on, brothers and sisters. 